I want you to see something in Daniel chapter 9. We're coming to a close. Daniel chapter 9. How are we doing so far? Is the math too bad? Are you enjoying math class? All right. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, beloved, the Bible says, speaking of Christ, in verse 26. We're in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 9. Are we there? The Bible says, and after three score and two weeks. After how long? Did we already cover a period of three score and two weeks on the chart? 62 weeks. The Bible says sometime after three score and two weeks, something is supposed to happen. It says after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be what? Cut off. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. The Bible says that at the end of the 62-week period, sometime after that, you should be expecting Messiah to be cut off. I'm going to use another word, crucified. Was Jesus crucified? Was he cut off? Was he cut off for himself? Was it for you and for me? Let's see in verse 27 what the Bible says concerning Christ. It says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for how long? I'm going to read that again because you might have missed it. And he, Jesus, shall confirm the covenant with many for how long? Beloved, back to the screen. God gave Israel not 69 weeks, but how long? By the coming of Christ as Messiah to do that special work, 69 of the 70 weeks had been accomplished. How much time did Christ have left to work with Israel? Your Bible says, And Jesus shall confirm the covenant with many for how long? One week. Now follow, beloved, because I'm hoping you see from your Bible this is not something that you can make up. The Bible has literally given you the starting point. It has walked you all the way through. By the time Jesus begins his earthly ministry, the Bible says there is one week left. Sixty-nine weeks have already been accomplished by the coming of Messiah. But there were 70 weeks given to the Jews, and thus out of the 70, Christ had only one week to work with after his baptism. Now question, how many days are in a week? Seven days. If you took those seven days as seven days, would you reach an accurate conclusion? Because one day in Bible prophecy equals A. So then seven days would equal seven. How many years did Jesus have left after his baptism to work with Israel? Seven years. Now the Bible says in verse 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week. In the what, beloved? Now, some of you may not understand the King James language that I'm using. What does midst mean? What does it mean? So the Bible says in the middle of that final week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the middle of the week. How many days in one week, beloved? Are you sure? What is half of a week then? Three and a half. Does anybody know historically, and, and, and many Christians agree on this fact, does anybody know historically just how long Christ's earthly ministry worked? How long it was? Three and a half years. The Bible says that after 
three and a half years, in the midst of this final week, in the midst of these seven literal years, bringing us down to 31 AD, beloved, the Messiah would cause the sacrifices and the oblations to do what? How did Jesus cause in 31 AD for the sacrifices, the slaying of lambs, how did he cause that to cease? Talk to me. By being crucified. You see, if Jesus is the Lamb of God that we were looking to by faith all along, then when the Lamb of God has come, do we need to sacrifice lambs anymore? No, we need only to lay hold of the dying lamb. And by faith, lay hold of a living priest. Is it clear? Coming to a close, beloved. Now, if three and a half years in the middle of the week, according to Daniel chapter 9, Christ is crucified, cut off, and causes all of the sacrifices of lambs to cease because of his sacrifice, then in the midst of that week, is God done with Israel yet? How much time is left? Three and a half years. And three and a half years after 31 AD would bring you to about 34, no, would bring you to 34 AD and a half. Does anybody know what happened in 34 AD? Jesus died in 31 AD, amen? Talk to me, beloved. Did Jesus die in 31 AD? Did he cause the sacrifices to cease? Yes, he did. After Jesus died in 31 AD, did he stay on earth? Well, he was around for a little time. Yes, he was, Brother Mo, yes? He was around for a little, a little while. But in 31 AD, do you know Jesus went to heaven? While he spent a period of time with the disciples, teaching them and helping them to understand the things we're talking about right now, after he was done making them understand, Jesus had to go to heaven. Do you know that if Jesus did not go to heaven, to this place called the sanctuary, we're getting there right now, if Jesus did not go there, then there would have been no such thing as Pentecost as we know it. Did you know that Pentecost was one of the seven feasts of the Hebrew sanctuary? Passover, amen? Feast of Unleavened Bread, there was Pentecost, there were all, beloved, there were seven of them in total, seven in total. How many in total? Seven in total. And all seven, by faith, point us to Jesus Christ. Is Christ your Passover? Is Christ your unleavened bread? Is Christ the reason why you can even claim Pentecostal power by the grace of God? Is God still desiring to pour out his spirit in this generation? Then it is all connected back to Jesus. If you miss the man, you miss the beauty of the plan. The man, Jesus Christ, is the beauty of the sanctuary. Listen, the Bible does not say, Thy way, O God, is the sanctuary. The Bible says, Thy way, O God, is what? In. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is Christ in the sanctuary that we must find. There are many people who study what we're talking about right now and still come to the point where they miss the man Christ Jesus. Beloved, everything that we have been studying together, God has been seeking to bring us to one place and one conclusion that is at the feet of Jesus because at the feet of Jesus is the highest place for every Christian. At the feet of Jesus, burdens are lifted. At the feet of Jesus, there is power and forgiveness to walk away from guilt. 
At the feet of Jesus, there is enough justification to win any case by his grace. Where do we want to be this evening? You sound like you don't like feet, beloved. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. I hear you, sister. We want to be at the feet of Jesus. Do you want to join us at the feet of Jesus? In 34 AD, beloved, there was a man by the name of Stephen. Have you ever read of him in the book of Acts? Stephen was a man of God. But do you know that Stephen was stoned to death? In 34 AD, you'll read about it in the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. Jesus had told the disciples not to go out to the Gentiles just yet. He said, wait Tarry in Jerusalem. Stay among your people. Stay here until you receive power. God desired to reach Jerusalem with all of the three and a half years, with all of the time that was left. But in 34 AD, beloved, when as a people we decided, or they decided, to begin to persecute Christ in the person of his saints, do you know Stephen was not the only martyr? Do you know that uh, the apostle Peter, Peter, the, the disciple Peter, the one with the... the do you know that Peter was crucified upside down? John the Beloved, the one that wrote the book of Revelation from which we've been studying, do you know they tried to boil that man alive in a pot of oil? Praise God he, did not, uh, he didn't burn, he didn't boil. But in 34 AD, beloved, when that was the response of the ancient people of Israel, the Bible said that the 70 weeks had reached a conclusion in 34 AD. Is Brother Paul preaching that Jewish people cannot be saved today. What Brother Paul is preaching, well, do you want to know what Brother Paul is preaching? Yes. What Brother Paul is preaching is that in 34 AD, the prophetic time for Israel to be that people that were to bring the message of the gospel, the message of the Messiah to the world, had come and gone. And since God has been raising up other people, this is how you ended up with the Lutherans. This is how you ended up with the Methodists and the Baptists and the Presbyterians and today the Seventh-day Adventists. This is how we came to be, beloved. We were born right on time prophetically because after 34 AD, the gospel left the Jews and went to the Gentiles. Do you know that I wasn't born in Israel? Back in those days, they would have called me, guess what, a Gentile. It is by the grace of God alone that I have been grafted. I may be using unfamiliar words. I have been grafted into Israel by the grace of God. The Bible says that those who receive Christ, they are the seed of Abraham. This prophecy tells us, beloved, that a Jewish man can be saved today. A Muslim man can be saved today. It's by the same sacrifice, but in order for them to be saved, it's not another Messiah that's coming. It is this same Jesus. Now, beloved, we have... Uh, our time is pretty much up. It's up. We took our time tonight and we spoke about a period of 490 years. Imagine that. We talked about 490 years. How do you feel? Do you feel like we've reached our conclusion yet? Talk to me. The prophecy wasn't 490 literal years. It was how long? 2,300 literal years. Right, Brother Mo? The Bible said that at the end of 2,300 years, then would the sanctuary be cleansed. Not in 34 AD, but at some point beyond that. At some point in the future beyond 34 AD, with the stoning of Stephen, God intended to cleanse the sanctuary. Now question, 
Since we've already covered 490 literal years, out of 2,300 literal years, if you were to subtract the 490 years that have prophetically been accomplished by 34 AD, do you know that it would give you the number that is left until the end of the 2,300-day prophecy? Nobody's moving for the calculator? I see you, brother. 2,300 days minus 490 days would give you 1,810 literal years until then. Now, if you don't believe me, you can simply take 1,810 years and add that to the year 34 AD. Does anybody know what year it would bring you to? What year? I want you to understand something. I've told you, Brother Paul is a Seventh-day Adventist. What did I tell you I am? Did Brother Paul use any Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentaries to bring, to this, uh, to bring us to this conclusion? We were in the book of uh, Daniel, weren't we? Was Daniel a Seventh-day Adventist by name? He'd never, he had never heard the name. We went to the book of Ezra. We went to the book of Numbers. Were any of the people that wrote those books Seventh-day Adventists by name? So then question, answer the question, beloved. I need to understand this evening. How did we reach the year 1844 from our Bibles and our Bibles alone, and yet there are so many today that deny that at the termination of this prophetic period, there is something called the sanctuary. What is it called? That must be cleansed. Now, if you're familiar with Adventist history, then you know of this man on the screen. His name is William Miller. By show of hands, how many of you have heard of him? William Miller, in the 1800s, just prior to 1844, was preaching the judgment hour message. He was preaching the first angel's message. Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is not coming, but it what? Is come. A present judgment, beloved. Now, does anybody know what happened in 1844 that led to what history has called the great disappointment? Christ didn't come. Do you know the very prophecy we were just going through is what they were preaching from? Daniel 8.14. William Miller preached that at the end of the 2300 days, which terminated in 1844, Christ would come back to cleanse the sanctuary by fire. Do you know that if you think the sanctuary is the earth, you too would be very disappointed? It's one thing, beloved, to have the right prophecy. It's one thing, beloved, to have the right time frame. But it's an entirely different thing to have the right event to take place at the end of the 2300 days. Now, William Miller, while he preached that Christ was coming in 1844, did Jesus come? Does anybody know why Jesus did not come? It wasn't time, sister. The Bible said at, 20, at the end of the 2300 days, the sanctuary would be cleansed. But if you were living in Miller's day and you believed that the sanctuary was the earth, can you see why you would have thought too that Christ was coming to cleanse the earth by fire? So our last question, I'm going to take two minutes. How many minutes? Can I ask for two? Some of you look like one and a half. The last question we have, beloved, is what is the sanctuary? Is that a good question? 
What is the sanctuary? We've, we, we, we've studied from the, from the Bible itself, and we've seen from 457 all the way to the year 1844 that there is something that, that is called the sanctuary that must be cleansed. What is the sanctuary? The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall everything be established. Beloved, I have three witnesses for you to tell you what the sanctuary is. On our screen, we have witness number one, a man by the name of Moses. And if there's anybody who knows what the sanctuary is, guess who it is? It's Moses. In the book of Exodus 25, beginning at verse uh, 8, the Bible says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. Whenever we're talking about the sanctuary, beloved, we have to recognize God's desire to draw near to us. The sanctuary is not to push us from God, it is to draw us near. Amen? According to all that I will show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. In the book of Exodus, Moses tells you that the Hebrew sanctuary was built after a pattern. How many of you have ever used tracing paper before? How many of you can draw without the tracing paper? That's another question, isn't it? Tracing paper, what it does, it, it affords you the opportunity of laying an original, a what? An original underneath the tracing paper, and as you trace the pattern, are you catching my words? As you trace the pattern, you end up with a picture that looks exactly like the original. Isn't that right? Now, the fact that you traced on the tracing paper, does that destroy the fact that there was an original? That's called plagiarism, beloved. You better be careful. The fact that you traced it, that you traced a pattern, testifies that there is a great original. Now, if Moses built the sanctuary after a pattern that was shown to him, then Moses is telling us that there was a great original. Follow on. The Apostle Paul is our next witness. Witness number two, the Apostle Paul. Now, I don't know if that's the Apostle Paul, but uh, it was a nice picture. So the Apostle Paul, amen? We're told in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, he says, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. The summary of everything I have written in the book of Hebrews is this. If you miss this point, you might as well have never even opened the book of Hebrews because this is what I was trying to say. He says, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty where? Where? A minister of the? Located where? Beloved, you better catch this thing. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, of everything I wrote, the sum is this. We have a high priest that is located in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary located in the heavens and of the true tabernacle. In other words, the great original. The Apostle Paul says that the sanctuary that Moses built was according to a pattern located not on earth, but guess where? Now that makes sense. Because after his resurrection, Jesus did not stay on earth, did he? He's not a high priest on earth, is he? Where did he go? So if he's a priest in heaven, he must have a sanctuary located where? Are we following? Because if you're understanding what I'm saying then what you should know by now is that at the end of the 2300 days, the cleansing of the sanctuary spoken of by Daniel the prophet would begin in 1844, not on earth, because there's no sanctuary here, beloved, but there's a sanctuary. 
in heavenly places. He continues, speaking of Moses' sanctuary, who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things. Everything Moses gave us in the Hebrew sanctuary was meant to teach us of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Witness number three goes by the name of John. John said in the book of Revelation, his, his, uh, his testimony was very interesting because while everybody else spoke of a pattern, John was the only one of the two, well, no, Moses saw it too, John actually says, I saw it. So you can deny tonight that there's a sanctuary in heaven, John, who wrote the book of Revelation from which we read on our pulpits, whether it be Seventh-day Adventist or Baptist or whoever, that same John says, I saw, and nobody can rip this truth away from me. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Who's the Alpha and the Omega? Talk to me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Does anybody remember in the sanctuary outline where are the seven branch candlesticks located? Is it in the outer court? Is it in the holy place? So then at the time that Jesus is seen in this vision, John says that Jesus was located where at that time? The holy place. Follow the language. Seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of those seven golden candlesticks was one like unto the Son of Man. Now that's interesting because that shows us that John saw the holy place in heaven. Amen? But there are not three phases to the plan of redemption. The Bible says nothing about outer court, holy place, and that's it, does it? It says outer court, holy place, and... Does anybody know what was located in the most holy place? One piece of furniture. Talk to me. The Ark of the Covenant. Do you know that John said he saw that too? And the temple or the sanctuary of God was opened in heaven and there was seen, an eyewitness, beloved, in his temple or sanctuary, the ark of his testament. John says, not only did I see the seven branch candlesticks proving that the holy place is located in heaven where Jesus ministers, but I also saw the ark of the covenant proving that the most holy place where Christ ministers is also a reality in heaven. Does anybody know what was located in the Hebrew Ark of the Covenant? Talk to me. What was it? Do you know that James calls it the law, not of bondage, but the law of liberty? The very law by which we are judged is located in that most holy place, in that Ark of the Covenant, in the heavenly sanctuary where Jesus has been since 1844. Beloved, do you know what day has passed? What is today, beloved? Well, yes, well, well, the sun is set, my sister. Preparation, I, I like the language. Friday is preparation day. Do you know that the day that is just concluded is known as October 22nd? 177 years ago, on this very day that has just passed, Jesus began the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary. Did I use any Adventist scholar to prove that point? 
What I spoke about, was it in your Bible? So do you suppose God can prepare you to share this with others like the back of your hand? Do you suppose we can start sharing even now like the back of our notes? Beloved, let me tell you something, beloved. The fact that Jesus is in heaven is wonderful news. You and I now know something that the majority of Christians today have no idea. We talk about Jesus in a general sense as though it's not a close and intimate Savior that we know. Jesus is in heaven. That's general. Any man can say that. An unbeliever can say that. But only a specific people on this earth understand that not only is he in heaven, he is in the most holy place of a heavenly sanctuary, cleansing a people, preparing a people to stand. That people is you and I. Beloved, I told you we have a prophetic birth date. The chart began in 457 B.C. It ended in 1844. Did we see that? Can I give you one last witness? I'll talk to you. The Bible said that Moses built his sanctuary after a pattern. Amen? Paul confirms and says that that pattern was to show us an example of heavenly things. Amen? John says, if any other man denies it, they can't, they can't tell me anything, because guess what? I saw it. Amen? Do you know that there was another man in the Bible who spoke about God's sanctuary being in heaven? Have you ever heard of the man by the name of King David? You never heard of King David, beloved? Father of Solomon, father of Absalom. King David, the very same one that slayed Goliath. King David said these words in the book of Psalms 102. He said, this shall be written for the generation to come. Beloved, I believe we're living in that generation. He says, this shall be written for you, beloved, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he, the Lord, has looked down from the height of his sanctuary from the earth. Talk to me, beloved. What did David say? From heaven, David preached, David taught, David believed that there was a sanctuary located in heaven. David never knew the name Seventh-day Adventist, beloved. So we can't, we can't come to this conclusion that the sanctuary in heaven is something that Seventh-day Adventists came up with. It is Bible truth for our generation. David said, I only mentioned that for the generation to come. I didn't even speak that for me. I spoke it because God saw a generation that would come who generally understand that Jesus is in heaven, but have no understanding of the transitionary work from dying lamb to living priest. If he's a living priest, is he that tonight, beloved? Then he has to have a sanctuary. And the Bible showed us that at the end of the 2300 days, ending in 1844, October 22nd. Now, did I show you how we got to October 22nd? No, I didn't. That's a study in and of itself, beloved. We have to go back and study from our Bibles. Do you want to study? Some of you say, not right now, because we're over time. <laughs> God is willing to teach us all things if we will come to him. Beloved, I've told you time and time again, no matter what I say, do not accept it because I said it. But I've never told you, and I'll tell you tonight, do not reject it just because I said it. Consider it. Do what? Consider it and take it back to the Word of God. Beloved, we are living on a very special clock of time right now. I believe that Jesus is desiring to cleanse us even now. He's been doing it since October 22, 1844. And if you and I will surrender all to him, guess how much he's willing to cleanse? All. 
Will we trust our high priest? Our Father and our God who art in heaven, Lord, I am so thankful for the word of God. Your Bible, dear Lord, that you have given to us so that we ought not to guess at anything, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Lord, we've studied uh, uh, 2,300 years tonight. I'm asking you, Lord, to help us to study individually and to make it clearer to us, dear God. We have an advocate, a lawyer today in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I want to know him better than the days before. We want to know him better. We trust our cases with you. We ask that you cleanse us as you promised you would do. And Lord, though we are 177 years beyond the starting point of this cleansing work, tonight we surrender all. Fill us with your spirit and go with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Happy, Happy Sabbath. Sabbath. This is such a beautiful Sabbath because we are here, gathered together to wit witness the baptism of some of our dear friends. Some of these friends we've known for quite a while through studying of the Bible. Some of these friends we've met more recently in our recent evangelistic meetings. The first friend that we're going to be talking about this morning. Her name is Tina. Everyone say hello, Tina. <laughs> now, Tina's, uh, she wanted to, Tina, she wanted to share a verse with us this morning, a verse that has had an impact on her life. That verse, or verses, is uh, John 15, verses 9 and 10. John 15, verses 9 and 10. And it reads, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, John, for that. Uh, can you hear me out there? If this mic is doing anything. Or... Can you hear me now? Oh, yes. So, yeah, we're uh, grateful to have Tina here, and she's been studying with um, Aubrey Porter for quite a while now. And uh, it's been great to see her progress. Um, of course, Rick here is her husband, and uh, they've just been growing together and growing in the Lord. It's uh, super exciting to, uh, to, to have this day finally come. She's been looking for it, forward to it for a while. Yes, so, definitely. Any uh, comments, Tina, any speech? I'm just grateful to be here. And um, like you said, I've been studying for some time. And this church has brought me so much peace and happiness and fellowship. And I want to thank Pastor for actually marrying my husband and I here in this church as well. Amen. 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 I think, uh, Tina, did you go to Bill Brace's meetings in 2019 a little bit? Yes. Yes, I do remember meeting you there. Yes. So this has been a, uh, a journey for her. And, mm -hmm. and so here it is fruition time and you're committing your life to Jesus. And it's exciting to see that happen for you. I know that the Bible studies with Aubrey will be continuing. I'm sure you're yes. very much enjoying those. So I'm glad to be a part of supporting you in this moment. And I would also like to thank Aubrey for uh, all the studying and, and, you know, all the 
evenings we gathered together. Uh, he's been a great teacher, and I look forward to doing more. Amen. 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 Well, with that said, Tina and Ab, because of your love for God and your desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Everyone give a welcoming wave to Tina. Welcoming wave. We are so happy to have you here in our church family. Please join me in singing the first verse of hymn 336. The first verse of 336, which is, There is a fountain. There is a fountain. 336. Say hello, Allie. <laughs> hello. So Allie wanted to share a verse with you all this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Allie shared with us the reason why she likes these verses is because these are meaningful to me, she says, because it has always shown me how much God cares for me as an individual, and he actually thinks thoughts towards me. With all the things that God has going on, he actually thinks about me. What beautiful, assuring thoughts. It's a relational passage that shows me all the blessings that follow if I keep a seeking heart. Amen. What a beautiful verse and beautiful thoughts there. And so Allie and Josh here are a couple, and uh, Bianca's out there somewhere too. And so um, this is super exciting to see this, um, this couple make their stand for God. And there's quite a history to, um, to them as far as the, the Lord working on them. It was, how many years ago, Josh, that book came to you? Maybe 18 years ago, he received a book called Trip to the Supernatural from Roger Mourneau. He didn't read it right away, but he kept it um, and did read it later. And the thing that he really remembered was <clears throat> in the book, um, he was interviewing a priest or he was quoting a priest that said, you know, we've got all these other denominations under our grip, except one, the Seventh-day Adventists. And he never forgot that. Well, then he happens to move next to Pat Ingle, who invites them to a um, 
birthday party for their one-year-old, which they never go to, they told us, uh, but they went to this one. And uh, then he invited them to the evangelistic series. And um, the story continues. Um, he, uh, Josh told us, you know, I feel like the Lord has convicted me that I need to be baptized a Seventh-day Adventist. And we said, well, that's great. Praise the Lord. You know, there's probably some more things that we need to study. And he's like, oh, no, I've already gone over the 28 fundamentals. <laughs> we're like, wow. <laughs> so I guess the Lord's been doing the work before us. And uh, so super exciting. And you guys have anything you want to share, Allie or Charles you or Josh? Well, um, right here, yeah. I just wanted to say, um, I look forward to continuing to study with Charles, and thank you, Lori, for his time, and I know that we will probably have uh, several more midnight sessions. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I'm just so glad that uh, Josh and I can take this step together. It's Amen. beautiful, it's new, and it's yet been planned from the beginning. It really so, has. It really has. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> because of your love for God and your desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I think it'd be great to welcome them as a couple. So we'll wait on that until after we share Josh's verse that he would like all of you to um, hear this morning. Th that verse is 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Josh says, it has become apparent in my life that I was never properly equipped to fight battles by my own power. I realized that it was Jesus helping me all along in any victories that I had. I know with certainty that I can only overcome the world through Christ alone, through his faith and grace alone. Man, beautiful thought. So true, so true. All right, Josh, well now, now because of your love for God and your desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Every wave to Josh and Allie. Josh and Allie, thank you guys so much for being a part of our family. If you would be so kind as to follow along with us as we sing the third verse of There is a Fountain. The third verse of There is a Fountain. Though dying lamb, thy precious blood shall
Now, Barbara, because of your desire and love for God, desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to our family. So, the next person that we have here is Shannon. And now, Shannon wanted to share something specific with all of you. A short verse, short and potent. Philippians 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Shannon says, during my childhood and into my adulthood, People would tell me that I would not amount to anything, but God has said that I can through his grace and that he will make all things possible for me. I can't, I can't, but he can. And I am so thankful for the ability that he has given me to own my own home. And I'm grateful for my loving husband and my mom that stand by my side. He has truly blessed me with a fulfilling life Thank you, Jesus, for giving me your strength. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful thoughts. Seems to be a theme here, doesn't there? Uh, we can't, but God can. Yes. And, uh, what, a, what a true thought that is. And once we learn that fact, we've learned an awful lot, and the Lord can do an awful lot at that point. Shannon or Charles, do you want anything to share? So my husband has been doing Bible studies with Charles, and I had been working, and my job has gave us specific set days off. And I told my husband, I want to start doing Bible studies with Charles because I like honoring the Sabbath. So I've been doing Bible studies with Charles, and at Firekeepers, I have Friday and Saturdays off. Amen. And... Amen. It has been a long time, but yes, I have been going to the Journey Church, but I'm like, nope, I'm not going to church on Sunday because God didn't go to church on Sunday. God went to church on Saturday. Amen. And my brother-in-law, he, uh, he kept telling us about Sabbath, and it's like, no, no, no. And it's like, now I'm following what my brother-in-law mm. has told me. And I really thank you for Charles, Aubrey, and Pastor for letting me come to and realizing that now Sunday is not a worship day. It's Sabbath day. Amen. 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 I don't know if I can add much more to that. That's her, you know. Uh, her testimony, and it's a work in progress, and the Lord has really blessed Shannon in many ways, and uh, I'm just so glad I was able to meet you, Shannon, and your husband here in Barb, and uh, we've been having a lot of fun. Um, David is very handy. He pulled down a pole barn, and he discovered a little trophy in there, and it was like a small building. He calls it uh, Shannon's She Shed, and that's where we've been doing Bible studies and all that, and so I'm just so glad that God has been able to beautify her life, um, and help her to know that her life does amount to something more. It amounts to the infinite, infinite life of Jesus. And Amen. praise the Lord for that and uh, what good things God's bringing in your life. And so Amen. glad to be part of your big day today. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
and now Shannon, because of your love for God and desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord for you, Shannon. Everyone give Shannon a welcoming wave, a strong welcoming wave. Welcome, Shannon, to our family. All right. And then last but not least, we have David. David is here today before you all presenting a verse uh, to you. Uh, this is Joshua 1, verse 9. Now, he wanted to share this verse with you because ever since he was a child, he had a learning disability. And because of this, he really had to struggle growing up. Um, but this verse specifically really spoke to him about God's strength. And it basically told him, I don't need to worry because Jesus will help me to be strong and courageous throughout whatever I'm dealing with in life or whatever I encounter. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. for taking care of those great scriptures and thoughts and indeed be strong and courageous and uh, David is that and he's here today to witness to his Lord in baptism David did you want to say any words and kind of speak in this direction well uh, about 15 years ago I had gotten my first baptism and this past summer me and my wife we had uh, renewed our vows and Shannon wanted to take and renew uh, her uh, faith and belief in God through the baptism. And I had thought, you know, since we had uh, renewed our vows, I thought it would be, you know, appropriate to renew my, uh, my uh, uh, baptism through Christ, with Christ. And uh, like Shannon said, I am so deeply blessed and uh, fortunate to be able to get that little card in the mail. Mm. Mm. Wow. And uh, that really has changed a lot of things in my life. Praise the Lord. And um, opened my eyes on a lot of things. And I'm just seriously awesome and, and uh, grateful. Amen. There's one thing that Shannon um, referred to her brother-in-law. Was that who it was? Yeah, um, Bobby Babcock. And so Bobby Babcock, somebody might know who may be watching live stream, but uh, he um, had a journey of his own, and he ended up becoming a member of the Urbandale Seventh Adventist Church several years ago. And I remember meeting him there, and he was always a friendly guy. And I was always wondering, I'm like, so I heard Babcock, there's some Babcocks here too, but I don't know if Amy or Scott is actually related to these Babcocks, but uh, I have to introduce you to them if they haven't been introduced to them yet. But uh, I was wondering about the Bobby, and come to find out, Bobby was David's brother. And I say was because he sadly passed away. Um, so he's no longer uh, with us, he's resting in Jesus, but he was an avid uh, witness for his Lord and that new energy of faith he had. And he told David about um, his newfound faith and Shannon. And it's just amazing how little seeds are planted and it shows you the impact that each one of us can make and bring people to this very point. And uh, so it's just amazing how things come full circle. 
And I believe we're not far off from becoming a complete circle, as I believe Jesus is coming soon. Mm -hmm. And that complete circle, I think we're all looking forward to seeing Jesus in the clouds of glory. Um, and so I'm glad that you are able to uh, be here to uh, seal that deal with them. Amen. Thank so. you. Amen. Let's do it, shall we? And now, David, because of your love for God, your desire to serve him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Welcome to this family, David. Everyone give David a strong, welcoming wave. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. If you now all will join me in singing the last verse, <clears throat> the last verse of There is a Fountain, which is actually verse 6. There is no 